Welcome to the Pacific Point Church Podcast, where we're learning to love and live like Jesus. During this half hour, we're praying that God will direct, encourage, and speak to you. If you would like to partner with Pacific Point Church and our church plans, visit us at pacificpointchurch.com give. At that same site, you can also watch and listen to previous sermons, read follow-up blog posts and extended notes, and even connect with Pacific Point Church on social media. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. So glad we're here this morning. You know, we've been doing some things called church and culture and, and some little uh, just quotes that we see. I found this one this week from Stephen Lawson. It says this, the hard sayings of Jesus are not hard to understand, just hard to swallow. Hard to swallow. That, that's this, this scripture and so many things that Jesus says. Think about that this week. Grab a hold of it and think about it. Uh, so glad you're with us this morning. I've been gone for the last couple of weeks, so I haven't been preaching. So as I stumble through this, just bear with me, all right? I had a great time with Eddie last week and, and so enjoyed your message. And it was linear and it was good. I didn't even get up and walk in the circle or anything. It was so, so good. And then Luke, two weeks ago... Um, and before I left to go on my trip, we were talking about discipleship, which is a really important component of the church. So if you're here for the first time, or let me back up, if you've been saved for a while, this is for you. If you just got saved, this is for you. If you don't know anything about Jesus and you're kind of checking this thing out, enjoy. It's for you too. But I, I really want, if you hear me get a little strong on some things, which is hard to believe because I'm such a kind, gentle man. Um, but if, if you hear me get strong on something, it's because some of us have been in this thing called Jesus for a long time, but our lives don't necessarily look like this thing called Jesus. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's crazy. My, mine too. Kevin, I have those too. So um, I, I want to talk about Jesus discipler and really the life of who he is. And we'll start with our key scripture that we had last time, and it's in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and it says this. This is a, uh, a mandate from Jesus. It's not a suggestion. It's not, oh, by the way. It's not a tag on. It's when Jesus is ascending into heaven. It's the last words. We talked about this last time. The last words that Jesus has for his disciples, which probably means it's important. And he says this. And Jesus came to him and said, all authority, not some, not a little bit, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and in the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you. Lord, for your words in our lives, oh God, let us be obedient. Lord, let us be obedient to what you have called us to. God, give us the strength. Holy Spirit, uh, direct and guide us that we might honor and love you as you've called us to, Lord. Let us just go deeper in our relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. This Matthew 28 passage is called the Great Commission. And Matthew 18 says go, and, 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 and it's very, just go. But there, why? It's, I, I need to understand the why of things. You know, you remember when we were growing up, or when I was growing up, I lived in that time of the 60s and 70s. Where's Jim? My dad's here somewhere. But, you know, in the old school days, you know, when, when I would say why to daddy, he said, what would he say, guys my age? Because I said so. I didn't get an explanation. 
You know, that, which was so frustrating as a kid because I deserved an explanation at five years old. I don't know why you did that to me, Dad. Scarred me, but I'm going to be all right. But it's like, why? Because I said so. But I, I want to know the why of what's going on. In this passage in Matthew 18, why is Jesus saying to go? What, what for? What is the big picture here? And why is he so emphatic about us going? You want to know why? Because when you come into a relationship with Jesus, when the Jesus of this Bible grabs a hold of your heart and moves in your life, what happens is you become salt and you become a light. I love salt. I mean, I just overdo the salt. I, I love that taste. You're the salt. You are the salt in this dark world. In the midst of chaos that we are seeing in America today, and we are seeing some crazy chaos, in the midst of that, we need light and we need salt. And when you come into this relationship with Jesus, you have this encounter with the creator of heaven and earth. When you do that, he changes you. You can't help but be different. And in that darkness that when you walk out these doors, what happens is we step out into that darkness, out of the light, into the darkness, and the salt of your life, that tastiness, is being encountered by people who have no hope. The light comes into the midst of darkness, in places where you work, in places where you play, where you go to the games, where you do what you do in schools and when you're teaching and in hospitals, when you're working, whatever it is, you're a light. God has called you to be a light and have a saltiness. And he says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works. Now this is, is, is what is critical. Religion says this, that they may see your good works and see how great you are. I'm such a good guy. You know what I'm talking about? That's religion. But what Scripture says, so they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. See, how that works is this. They look at Eddie and they go, there's no way that's Eddie. That's got to be Jesus. That's funny. <laughs> he thought it was funny, so it's funny. There's no way that that was Kevin up there, but it was the Holy Spirit in him leading us in worship. And, and, and you taste the salt off his life, off his light, and you feel the light going forth in the midst of darkness, and you start to go, people start to go, I, 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 I need a little bit of that. Because this, this world, hopelessness. And, and this mandate that Jesus gives us is all about you and I going forth and being the light and being salt. We have too much of the church, I'm going to generalize, paint with the big brush, as I like to say, um, that there's too many Christians that sit, raise their hand, I believe in Jesus, and they walk out these doors and their lives are no different than they were when they were sitting here, other than they put their hand up. I, look, I don't know how you experience the love of Jesus, how you experience his grace, how you experience his power and what he delivered you out of, and not be changed. Now, let's qualify that, because there's a lot of days you'd go, he's not changed, talking about me. <laughs> there's many a day you go, ah, not so, he shouldn't be your pastor. But it's this, this time over time where, where, uh, where people eat the fruit off of my life or your life, as we talked about the last three or four weeks. 
that you maybe bring some light and hope to someone who doesn't have any. Jesus discipled 12 men. 12 men he spent about three years with. And the world has changed forever. Has never been the same. Jesus poured his life into 12 and the world is changed forever. We gave this stat a little while ago. Now, when you think about that, Jesus poured. Now, here's the deal. There's no way I can disciple 12 men or women, and there's probably no way that you can. I'm not asking you to be Jesus. What I'm asking us to do is to open our eyes and see what has God called me to do and to know that God has called you to disciple someone if you have a relationship with Jesus, to pour your life into someone else. It's not easy, but God has called us to it. In fact, he's called us. He mandates it. Why don't we disciple others? We looked at the stat a couple weeks ago. Too busy. Too busy. Now, now, stop there for a second. Think about, and I, I think of my own life. What if my mom was too busy to tell me about Jesus? What if, if, if uh, I talked about Greg Ball, who, who had ministered to me and discipled me when I was young. What if he was too busy to spend any time with me? What if, Kevin, I know you had great men. What if they're just too busy? Could you do, the, would you walk in this anointing that you walk in today? Number two, uh, two is 12% walk with Christ. Uh, their walk with Christ is not what it should be. Whose is? Like, oh, show of hands. Who is just going to go, my walk with Jesus is so perfect and good? Now, let me qualify. No, no, I don't want to say good because my walk with Jesus is good. My walk with Jesus is perfect. Anybody? Any takers? Look, it's not about being perfect. It's about just taking a step in the midst of your mess and allowing God to do what he's going to do. 28% said they felt like the lack of information to share. They didn't know what to say. They didn't know what to say. Well, I don't know what to say, but this Bible does. I don't, I, don't, I don't make this. This isn't coming. This stuff isn't my stuff. There's nothing new under the sun. I don't know what to say, but I know Jesus' word does. And to speak to every aspect of my life. This isn't an outdated word. This isn't, you know, uh, you know it, it, it's not, it doesn't apply to today. The principles won't. This... This book is timeless because it was written by the creator of heaven and earth who happens to be timeless and knew that the same principles, the same issues that they had some three, four, five thousand years ago would apply even today. It's funny because men and women five, even longer ago, were as selfish as they are today. You know what they dealt with back during the Roman Empire? They dealt with abortion. They dealt with infanticide. They dealt with homosexuality. They dealt with murder. They dealt with lust. Huh. Sounds like things don't really change over time. 51% feared how people would react. Well, let me just tell you, um, we're coming into a time as a Christian, you're not going to have a choice. You're either going to say, I'm a believer of Christ, and people are going to say things and, and put you in those boxes, or you're going to go over here and they go, are you a believer in Christ? You go, no, 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 no I'm not. Nah, nah, nah. I go to church twice a month. Does that count? See, there are lines that are being drawn in society today. 
And they're going, who are you? Which side are you on? And, and that question is going to come to you at some point if it already hasn't. And you're going to have to say, I'm here or I'm here. Here's what I know. Is I won't stand before men someday. I'll stand before God. 51% fear how people react. Jesus and discipleship, it's a mandate to all believers, not just a suggestion. You don't get to come into this relationship and not disciple. It would be uh, likened to you know, marrying her and go, I want to marry you, I want to have kids, but I don't want to deal with the kids, so you deal. Wait, wait, that's, that's, yeah, that's the way it is, so we'll try it. No, let's do that. No, it's not. It'd be her tell, me telling her, I want to be one with you, and as we have kids, you get to deal with all of that. I just want the fruit of going on dates with you. I want the fruit of having dinner with you. I want the fruit of having relationship with you. I want those fruits, but I don't want to deal with all those rats that you keep producing. That's metaphorically speaking. I'm not talking about you, TJ, and McKenna, of course not, and every other kid that I have that I can't remember their name. Um, it's, it's, look, when, when I come into relationship with there as a man... There's a mandate to be a man and to raise children like a man. It's not a suggestion. It's not a maybe. It's not a kind of. But isn't it interesting, the parallels in life and what we see in, in emasculated men in marriages and emasculated men in the church? Is there a connection somewhere? It's a mandate to all believers. To be a disciple, to disciple. What does discipleship look like? Has anybody ever wanted you know, you talk about discipleship and all this stuff, but what, what does that really look like? What does that really mean? You know, what, what are you talking about there? I, I want to show you some levels of Jesus' ministry, pictures of, of Jesus and discipleship and what that looked like as he walked this earth. And then I want to I apply it to my life and give you some examples of what that looks like. It, you know, it's, it's this. It's uh, I talk, you listen. This is Jesus. I do, you watch. I do, you help. You do, I help. I do, I watch. You do, I'm gone. That's where we started. You do, I'm gone. Matthew 28. He was saying to the disciples, you go do this now. Disciple the men and women, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them all that I teach them to obey, all that I've, I've given you. And I'm out of here. And Jesus said, I'm going to go sit at the right hand of the Father. Let, let's break these down a little bit. Jesus' ministry. He starts off with all these men, these 12 men. Actually, there are more than that. But the 12 disciples, there, there are many levels. And we see 4,000, and there's the, the 80, and then there's 60, and there's 12, and then there's three. And well, there's all these levels of relationship. But let's go with the 12. Jesus would, would, would start here. I'll talk, you listen. Listen to what I'm saying. And we see this in Matthew 5 and 6. And he goes to the Beatitudes, and he talks about, as we said, salt and light. He deals with the practicalness of life. He he talks about divorce and the effects of divorce and how and what and why. He goes into oaths and says, let your words be yes and yes and, 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 and be a man or a woman of your word. He talks about retaliation. It's practical things that you can hold on to. You go, this Jesus isn't very practical in my life. This Jesus is so outdated. Let me tell you, in this, just the first, or those two chapters of, of Matthew 5 and 6, he touches a heck of a lot. He talks about loving your enemies. He, he, he goes in and he explains to these men why you love your enemies. He, he talks about giving to the needy. 
He, and then he, then he, he lays out how to pray for them. He, he, he talks about heaven and, and, and not laying up your treasures on this earth. You know, we're in a, in a society that is riddled with anxiety and depression, and, and Jesus talks about it some 2,000 years ago. He talks about lust and fasting, anger, all, all these practical life conversations. No, sorry, losing my voice yelling at Chris too much. Um, it's a joke. She yells at me, and I cry myself to sleep at night. <laughs> kind of. All right. <laughs> what does that look like? Look, Jesus, I talk to you. Listen, you know what it looks like in my life? It looks like a cup of coffee. Do you know, I, I am, do you know how many cups of coffee I have with people? <laughs> do you know how many cups of coffee this man has with people? you know how many cups of coffee she has with people? Look, what did we say? I talk... You listen. Discipleship starts with this. Uh, Kevin talked about favor. God gives you favor with a man or a woman. And he goes, I I'm connecting you to that man or woman. Grab a hold of them and start to spend some life with them. Go have a cup of coffee with them and talk about life. What did, what did we say he talked about? He talked about salt and light and divorce. You know, these conversations that I have, I talk to, to men all the time about their wives and divorce and what and should I and could I and would I. And I talk to men about fasting or anger is a big one. Or talking about lust. These conversations that are happening practically, that's discipleship. I have a cup of coffee. It's not bigger than you think. It's not more overwhelming than you think it might be. It's the availability of walking in the fullness of what God has called you to do. Obedience. Obedience. Modern discipleship breaks down right here. This is where it breaks down. We think that just having a cup of coffee with someone, we think by just having a Bible study, you know, once a month with someone, we think that's discipleship and it's not. It's a part of it. But it's not the fullness of what God has called you and me to do as Christians. Discipleship is much more than just a transformation of information. It's about imitating the teacher's life. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians, imitate me as I imitate Jesus. Living the values of Jesus and, reduce, and reproducing his teachings. Jesus' ministry, the second part of his ministry is this, I do, you watch. So he, first he starts with the stories and tells them stories and talks and has coffee with everybody. Then he says, uh, now I'm going to do some things, some of them miraculous, I want you to watch. And, and, and he, you know, we see in Mark 8, he heals uh, Jairus' daughter and he invites uh, Peter, James, and John to come in the upper room with him and watch him pray for this, this girl that they thought was dead. We see Jesus, I, I, I would love to see this one. This is like one of my favorite, is Jesus just in his righteous anger, because I used to use it to justify my anger, which is not right, but, but I, there is righteous anger. Jesus in the temple clearing everything out because they're abusing his church that is a house of prayer. He goes in and tears the place up. Uh -huh. I, one of the disciples are like, oh my gosh, we're not just following this, you know, this, this, emasculated man. We're following a man that ain't going to put up with stuff. I loved him in there. And they're, they're watching Jesus. The woman at the well. 
The woman at the well. What, what is Jesus doing talking to this woman? What is he doing talking to this woman? And the disciples are watching, going, and all these, these barriers are falling down, all these cultural barriers. He's talking to a woman, talking to a, a Samaritan, talking to, he should never be doing that. And they're watching, going, what's, what's going on here? How about when he calms the seas? I mean, they're freaking out, and Jesus goes, be done. Calm as can be. What are they thinking in their head? They're watching. They're taking notes. they got their iPad, and they're just going, wait, what did he say? Give me the exact words, because if I say that, maybe I can calm them. Jesus heals the demoniacs, and they're watching. He heals the blind man in John 8, and they're watching. And what does discipleship look? I do, you watch. You know what it looks like? Who's coming to dinner? For, for Chris and I, for... 20 years, 25 years, or how long have we been married? 26 years, actually. 27? Oh, gosh, I keep missing it. 27 years. I was testing her, and she passed. Um, <laughs> you ask my, my kids, there's always people in our house. Always people coming to dinner. It was intentional. One of the, it was very intentional. And, and one of the reasons that, that we do that is that we want to bring people in our, our, our life that they might, maybe they'd see a snippet of Jesus. That maybe they'd experience Jesus through some hospitality. Maybe they'd experience Jesus seeing the pastor can be a jerk, and sometimes he actually asks forgiveness from his wife. Maybe they'll see the redemption. Maybe they'll, they'll taste Jesus a little bit as they see our kids and us all interact. Maybe they'll, 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 they'll see Jesus when they see that, look, they ain't got it all together. They're working on it. They're trusting God, but they ain't got it all together. Maybe they would see Jesus and have a little bit of hope. That's discipleship. I'm constantly telling Chris, because uh, she's running kids around doing all that. Like, bring someone with you. Bring, let them experience life with you. Because it's in the midst of that life that people learn about Jesus. Discipleship is bringing someone along with you. Jesus said, come, watch what I'm doing. And there's so many times where we're like, come, just watch what I'm doing. Number, um, oops, sorry, a little happy with my fingers. Um, Jesus, the next part of him, then she says, I do and you help. So he says, you know, I'm going to teach, you're going to listen. He said, now come watch. And he's like, okay, now I'm going to go do, and I want you to come beside and help me. What's he doing? He's slowly building their faith in who Jesus is. Someone gets saved and gets right with, with God, and it's, it can be... What do I do next? What does this look like? And Jesus takes them through this little process, walks them through it so they feel more and more comfortable with who he is. So their faith grows more and more so that, that he understands that it's not just a boom and they're completely changed. There's a sanctification process of them coming different. And he walks them through it. In Mark 8, I love this. You know, He's been preaching for three days. And he's like, man, these people got to be hungry. How many loaves, he says to them. Jesus, how many loaves? They said Seven. There's 4,000 people. Imagine this miracle if you're walking with Jesus. And you're going, dude, this ain't going to work. The math don't, I, I'm not a mathematician, but the math don't add up. So he had seven loaves, he replied. And he told the crowd to sit down on the ground. And when he had taken the seven loaves and given thanks, he broke them and gave them to disciples to distribute to the people, and they did so. What are they, when he hands them and they're like, what are you, you going to do with this, Jesus? Now, I, I can only imagine a couple of them maybe already took a little bit, and now they're down to five, you know. I'd have been like, uh, me first. 
and he multiplies, and he multiplies, and he multiplies. And all of a sudden, these men who had this encounter with Jesus and heard what he said and started watching what he was doing experienced the miraculous that Jesus does when he multiplies the fish. That's discipleship. That's discipleship. Come help me. I don't know how many times, like, Eddie, let's go. I'm preaching over here. Eddie, let's go. We're going to do this. Or whoever, come on, let's go. Just come with me and live life a little. And watch the miraculous. Watch what God might do. The next thing Jesus does, he says, you do, and I'll help you. So he goes from, here's the, here's the words of wisdom to, to uh, come watch me. To, you know, uh, I'm going to do, you guys help me to, you go do it and I'll help you. Now that's usually where the big stumbles come along. We see in Matthew 17. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Remember, Jesus had cast out demons. And Jesus said, go out and do what I did. So they said, why couldn't we cast them out? Because of your little faith. For truly, I say to you, if you have little faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it'll move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus is building their faith. They fall. He pulls them back up and goes, come on. Here's a little faith. Go believe. Our job as we're discipling people is just to give them a little bit of faith. Give them a little bit of faith. Show them what it means to encounter Jesus. Show them what it means to stand in the midst of the storm and allow Jesus to bring peace. Show them what it means to stand in the midst of chaos and allow God to bring you out of it into what he has for you. You do it, and I'll help you. Jeremiah, about, what is that, and TJ, about five years ago, there's all these surfer kids that kept coming around. Grant was there and some of the other guys. And, and Jeremiah and, and TJ, uh, like, what, what do we do with them? I'm like, go surf with them. Spend time. You do and I help. I, I, I'm like, you do. You go surf with these men. Go live life with them. Love them well. And they started gathering these, these young men. Just surfing with them. Doesn't seem like any great godly revelation, although if you've ever surfed, it's godly revelation. <laughs> the next thing that Jesus does is this. He says, you do, and I'll watch. Matthew 10, 5 through 8, these 12 he sent out, instructing them, go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's very specific. Go to the lost house of the, uh, the sheep of Israel and proclaim as you, uh, as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out the demons. You go do it now. You go do it. You go and be the hands and feet of Jesus. See, there's this maturation process as Christians. And unfortunately, we have too many baby Christians that have stayed baby Christians, that have known Jesus for 10, 15, 20 years, but they're still in diapers. They're still on mother's milk, as Hebrews says. They're still not matured. But God says, as you grow in this, you're stepping out in faith. You do. You be the hands and feet of Jesus, and I watch. Food in Jesus. So this group of, of surfer kids start coming around and hanging out, and, 
And they're like, oh, what do we do with this? And I'm like, surf with them. And then they're like, well, let's, why don't you start a Bible study? I'm not going to start a Bible study for surfers. I'm old. I said, you do it. I said, Jeremiah, you, TJ, you, give them food. I'll pay for the food. Give them food. They'll come and start preaching the gospel to them. Start preaching the gospel to them. It's discipleship. I could have stepped in there and said, I'm the pastor. I need you guys to follow me. I have much wisdom. It's crap. It's crap. And, and the questions Jeremiah and T would ask, I don't know what to say. I'm like, figure it out. Here's the Bible. Here's a study. Look, dig in. Go after God. And they did. And, and I, don't, I don't remember how long it would go. It was. I don't know if you remember Grant. It, when we, we went down and baptized, like, all these, these young kids had this encounter with God. And it wasn't about the pastor. It was about men who heard what God had called them to do. I just kind of gave them a little bit of direction. That's discipleship. The last thing that Jesus does is says, you do, I'm gone. I'm out of here. That's our scripture. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, I don't have time to get into all this. You know, Jesus is able to say, I'm gone, because he says, you'll have something even better, which is my Holy Spirit. So it's not just, and, 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 and even as you're, I'm discipling and spending time with these guys, I'm like, go do your thing, and if you need help, I can help you. But know that the Holy Spirit will guide, direct, and lead you in it. Because that's what he does. And uh, with these young men, I just said, go do it. They went, they've gone on surf trips. They've done all these, these different. I'm like, it sounds, they have this crazy idea to start a t-shirt company. Go do it. Fantastic. Go do it. This idea to do this. Fantastic. Go do it. It's not my job, this. My job is to disciple. My job is to pastor. But it's not my job to disciple those that God has called you to disciple and pastor. We are the church. I am not the church. We are the, this is your church. I just happen to have the blessed privilege to be able to stand up here and, and speak by God's grace. But you're the church. And God's calling you to disciple young men and disciple young women. God's calling you. He changed the world by discipling 12 people. The gospel and the fruit of discipleship, Bill Hull, I think I used this quote before, but I love it. The call to discipleship is the call to salvation. They're not separate. Everyone that is called to salvation, everyone that comes into relationship with Jesus is called to disciple. No exception, no excuses. Therefore, the call is not only the words of Jesus, it is also the expectations of Jesus. Jesus has an expectation that you would disciple. Now, some of you are moms, and you're going, I don't have time to even have lunch, and you want me to disciple. Okay. You know who you're going to disciple? Your children. You're going to pour your life into them. Some of you are like, ah, I got a job and I got this. Look, look, God is calling you and he will make the time if you will be obedient to what he's called you to. But most of us, eh. Obedience, eh. 
rather come to church twice a month. <laughs> Why does discipleship matter? 7.8 billion people, give or take. Depends who just died just now. That was funny because people are always dying. You're going to die someday. We're all going to die. So levity. <sighs> 7.8 billion people in the world. The heart of God is for one. This is kind of a mind kind of twister. Matthew 18, 12. What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountain and go search for the one that went astray? God's heart is for the one. But God's heart is for 7.8 billion. God's heart is for the one. But it's for 7.8 billion. 7.8 billion or one, which is it? 2 Peter 3.9 tells us very clearly, not wishing that anyone, any should perish, but that all should reach repentance, that not a single person would leave this earth having not encountered Jesus. How does he do that? Through his church. Through his church. Through you and your lives and what God has called you to. The heart of God is that you would know him. And not that, there's two no's that we see in the Bible. There's Oida and there's Gnosko, and one is, a, is an intimate knowledge, it's relationship. One's a knowledge of. I know Michael Jordan. You know why I know Michael Jordan? Because I read about him in the paper. Never had a conversation with him, but I can tell you a lot about him. But I know Kevin because I've broken bread with him. I've spent time with him, 30 years of life with him. I know him. And that know is the know that God wants you to experience with his son Jesus. Intimacy. Because it changes you. And when you know him, you can't help but disciple others. Because you want them to have what God gave you. You want them to have what God gave you. What has Jesus mandated in his church to do? Go make disciples. Go make disciples. Go make disciples. Don't go to church. Although go to church, go make disciples. Reproduce who you are. We understand it in business. We understand it in so many other areas of life. But we do not understand it in the church. Go make disciples. What am I asking our church to do? Go make disciples. Reproduce yourself. Grab a hold of someone. Pour your life into someone. Ask them to come to your home. Ask them to experience life with you. Let them see your, your, your junk. Let them see your good. Let them see you repent. Let them see your life. And it'll change them. It'll change them. I'm asking us to pray to ask and seek, just one. I'm not asking for 12, just one. God, who is it? Who are you calling me to put my life into? Who are you calling me to pour into? Oh, I don't know anything. I, I, don't, I don't know anything. But this Bible has all the answers. And there's some great books and guides and direction. I mean, I don't know how many times he would call me. I don't know what I, I was supposed to say that or not, but I said that. I'm like, you know, and then I, he would tell me what he said, and, and like, Holy Spirit just spoke through him. There's a, a key scripture that said that, that, that God can speak through an ass. 
true. You know I love you. Because he knows, he knows I'm the same. So that's why he can. God can speak. He can speak through us. The power of one. Just one. Just one. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time this morning. Lord, I thank you for your word. God, I, I, I pray for this church, God, that if, if we know you as our Lord and Savior, God, that we'd have this revelation of, of calling and, and that mandate that you've given us. God, I don't care if we're 90 years old or if we're 15 years old. God, you've called us to disciple. You've called us to grab a hold of others and let them experience you through us. God, I pray that we would be a church that would hold this value of others and that we would disciple. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. And Lord, I just I pray that we'd be men and women who'd be the hands and feet, a light and salt to this world. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Um, this is the time, I, I had actually about 40 more, but I, I'm going to probably skip them because we don't want to be here till dinner. Um, so I'm going right to communion. <laughs> I got on a roll this morning. I'm just like writing stuff and putting stuff together. And yeah, I just realized half it, half it. Uh, next week? Oh, yeah, maybe I can pick it up next week. Um, as we stay in this, this attitude of worship, this is the time that we receive communion. Communion is a holy time. We value it. It's just not something we do. It's a time that we take our will in our lives and we line it up with his, with Jesus. I love communion and, and, and uh, um, this, this taking all my stuff from the week and just, just placing it at the cross. Dylan and Haley got married on Friday night. It was such an amazing uh, wedding. And one of the things they chose to do, the first thing they chose to do once they said, I do, was to receive communion. Why? Because they had received communion as, as individuals before. But when the Bible says when you get married, the two become one. And the first thing they wanted to do was honor God by, by, by receiving communion together. And I say that because I, I want you to understand the weight and the holiness of this moment. And the Bible says this, the night that Jesus betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, he said, when you come together like this, he said, eat this in remembrance of me. And, and it, the significance of that in our lives, of, of that, that Jesus bore the brunt of that beating for my life. Some of you are, are taking a beating right now in life. You can know that you know that Jesus knows exactly what you feel and experiencing. Take it to the cross. And then, then he says this. He, he took the wine that represented his blood and he said, as, as you drink this, remember that you're free. Remember that there's no more guilt, no more condemnation. Remember that you don't have to walk in all that religious stuff. Remember that what I did on the cross when I spilled my blood is I gave you life and you're forgiven. Remember that when you walk out of this place today that you can lift your head and pull your shoulders back and that enemy that speaks lies and tries to accuse you, you go, nope, I'm free because of the blood of Jesus. That's communion. 
So as we receive this morning, we have stations to the right, left. There are cups you can use if, if, if you don't want to dip the bread in the, the wine, which I get. And there are stations in the back uh, right and the back left. Um, we've transitioned to a, a time where you do it with family. So um, as we go in and receive communion, um, head to one of these stations, and then we'll come back and we'll finish off with a little worship. So let me pray. Father, I thank you for this time of communion with family. And as we commune as a, a church, Father God, Lord, I pray that you would, uh, would allow us to just align our life with yours. Oh God, as we go to the cross, oh Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for our selfishness. Forgive us for our anger. Forgive us for our lust. Forgive us for our, our, our greed. Forgive us for all that, that, God, let us just put it at the cross and nail it to the cross. I thank you that we are forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen.